This episode of the Holly Fueled Nutrition Podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. To save 10% off your first month of therapy, visit the link in the show notes, which is BetterHelp, better slash Holly Fueled. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the show. I am Holly Samuel, and I'm a board-certified sports dietitian, certified personal trainer, CEO of Hollyfield Nutrition, and of course, your podcast host today. And on the show today, we have guest Trisha Denardis, who is a doctor of physical therapy. She also has her pregnancy and postpartum exercise specialist certification, and she is behind the Instagram account, which you may know, which is Burpees and Burst burp cloths. Um, and I could not think of a better person to have on the show today to cover this topic of exercise during pregnancy than Trisha. I've been following her for a couple of years and we've chatted online and it was just really great to get to pick her brain about this topic today. Um, exercise during pregnancy is such a confusing topic. I feel like it's clear as mud, especially if you don't really have a ton of education or professional experience in the exercise or fitness or medical space. It can be really hard to understand like what's a good idea to do? What's not a good idea to do? Is it dangerous? Are you truly a fragile daisy while you're pregnant or can you handle more than you think you can? Um, and what kind of red flags should you be looking for? And so on and so forth. Um, I know that, um, for myself, exercise during pregnancy has been an absolute roller coaster. So if you are new to the show, um, I am about probably seven or eight months pregnant at the time that this podcast episode is scheduled to be released. I'm about six and a half months while we're recording it. Um, and you can go back to an episode that I released in August, which was a life update announcing our pregnancy. Um, because there's, there's all the ups and downs are detailed more so in that episode, if it's something you're interested in. But for me personally, you know, I got pregnant right around the time I PR'd at the Boston Marathon this year. I had an amazing race. The pregnancy was something we had planned. Um, so I was really at the, you know, the top of my game, basically going into pregnancy, um, which is another reason why hormone health is really important to me um, anyway. But um, so I was at the top of my, you know, physical game going into pregnancy. And then um, first trimester was okay. I didn't feel great, but I was able to continue exercising through some of it until I got put on pelvic rest for two months because of placenta previa, which is a condition basically where your placenta covers the cervix. So it kind of covers the baby's exit. And if there's too much pressure on that area, it can cause bleeding and puts you at higher risk for like miscarriage and those types of things. So it's a totally kind of random condition that happens. And a lot of the times it does resolve as your uterus grows, the placenta moves out of the way and you don't have to be on pelvic rest anymore. So I kind of was like training a lot, modifying my training because I was in my first trimester, not feeling super hot. And then was literally told I couldn't do anything. And then was basically just walking and doing a modified exercise program that looked like walking and very light modified types of weights um, and strength training that was cleared by my doctor um, with pelvic rest. And then my placenta previa did correct itself at 16 weeks. I had an ultrasound that revealed everything was good there. So I got taken off pelvic rest and I started running again, you know, about halfway through my second trimester. 
um, and have since, you know, been able to work back up to like 20 to 30 miles per week, which is still less than my norm, but way more than I thought I was going to be able to do in pregnancy when I originally thought I was going to be on pelvic rest the whole time. Um, I've been strength training three or four days a week. Um, and basically been able to replicate my routine, but modifying it as needed because some days exercise feels really good. Most days, some sort of exercise for me feels really good personally. And other days running does not feel good. And I modify and I change it. And this will continue to happen, I'm sure, into my third trimester. So basically it's been a roller coaster, but it's been super helpful to have resources like the physical therapist in my life, including, you know, Trisha, um, who put out you know, really great educational information regarding exercise during pregnancy. Um, because you can feel kind of isolated when you're an athlete who gets pregnant, who maybe had expectations for what they were going to be able to do during pregnancy. And then if that gets taken away from you, or if you're not feeling your, your best, or you're not just sure you're anxious about what you should or shouldn't be doing, I'm hoping this podcast episode will be a helpful resource for you to lay it all out there. As always, Trisha is a absolute expert in this realm, but it doesn't mean that she is your physical therapist necessarily. So this episode is meant for educational purposes only and should not be a replacement for medical advice or individualized advice from a physical therapist. In any way, make sure you are seeking out those relationships on your own. And without further ado, let's welcome Dr. Denardis to the show. Hi, Trisha, and welcome to the Hollyfield Nutrition Podcast. I'm so excited to finally be talking with you, like kind of face-to-face via Zoom. I feel like we've been talking on social media for a long time, but it's really good to have you here. Thank you for having me. I know I'm so excited, and I feel like I know you at this point. Like, just <laughs> Yeah, started. you do. We know each other. <laughs> so I feel like I've known you for, for a long time because we've chatted on social media a bunch, so it's good to have you on the podcast, and we're going to talk about pregnancy and exercise during pregnancy and kind of some of the ins and outs of that, because I think there's a lot of confusion and like misinformation about it. Um, that some of it, I feel like has to do with just old research or old like ways of thinking, but, um, I'm really excited to talk with you about this because this is your forte. So tell everyone like who you are, like, you know, what you do and where you're located. Sure. So I'm Trisha Denardis. Um, I'm a PT, so doctor of physical therapy. Um, and I'm also certified as a prenatal and postpartum exercise specialist and coach. And most recently, um, went through a pelvic floor course. So I can now treat the pelvic floor as a PT um, in Virginia. So I'm located right outside Richmond, Virginia. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's why you're perfect to have here for this conversation because of all of that. <laughs> um, I love all of your your content that you put on social media too, um, which we can definitely plug burpees and birth costs. I'll make sure I link everything um, so people can go check it out because you're just such a good advocate for moving during pregnancy. Thank you. Yeah. So I've, I have three kids of my own, um, seven, five, and almost three. So I've, you know, I've, I've been through it three times pregnancy, postpartum. And it really is. I mean, it's, it's something that I love to talk about and educate. So I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. When you started your social media account too, like, did you, um, like, did you kind of do it just as a way to document your progress? Like when did it kind of turn into like, this is what I'm going through. And also this is what I'm like professionally interested in. Cause sure. I feel like I took, I took a similar arc with mine. <laughs> yeah. So I, I started when I was pregnant with my second so she just turned five at the end of August. Um, 
And yeah, it was kind of just a way to document my pregnancy. And then it kind of ballooned out like crazy out of that. Um, I, as a PT, I knew some things and obviously with it being my, my second about exercise, but there just wasn't a lot of information. And even five years ago, there's so much more out there now, thanks to social media and um, other professionals that are sharing so much information. But I realized during that time that there really is just such a lack of education and information that's being given to us women. Um, so I started educating myself a little bit more and more there. And then that continued into really my third pregnancy. So Kaylin is my third, but it will turn three next week, actually. And that's when I started with the prenatal and postpartum um, certifications. So I went through two courses during pregnancy and postpartum with my third. And I was like, oh, wow, this really lights my fire. Like, this is really exciting. So started sharing more and more of what I was learning as I was learning it. Um, which was awesome for me because like during my pregnancy and then in the postpartum period and during COVID, it's like, oh, this is what I really need to be telling people because every other part of my life is kind of crashing as <laughs> did during the pandemic. Um, yeah. So it's been fun. Yeah. I love it. I think, um, it, it sounds like a very like natural progression, like, oh, this is what I'm learning and this is what I'm applying. And actually everyone else can benefit from this too. So let's just keep going with it. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, I love your videos. I think, um, in terms of like your expertise, you know, is in physical therapy and you've got the prenatal postnatal certification. I definitely am excited to pick your brain about some pregnancy exercise related things. So even just to kind of start out, like what are some of like the top, even if you had to pick like three, like biggest misconceptions about like what a pregnant person is allowed to do when it comes to exercise? Sure. I mean, I think one of the top myths is that pregnancy causes miscarriage. Um, that is one that I, I don't even know where that started. I think there's been this huge up and down when it comes to the guidelines that we've been given. Like you think way back in the day, women were giving births in fields and then like going back to work like two seconds later, which, you know, is a little extreme. Um, and then it went to, oh, we are delicate flowers and you can't move at all or, you know, everything will fall out <laughs> to now where really just in the past couple of years, I think 2020 was the last time that the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, which is kind of like the governing body of all of this, developed new guidelines saying that exercise is safe and it is beneficial, not only to women who have been exercising before, but also women that haven't, that they should start exercising now. Um, so that is a, a big misconception with miscarriage and pregnancy. Um, the heart rate rule that don't bring your heart rate over 140, that's definitely outdated. Um, and they even have said, you know, you don't need to go by that anymore. Um, which what I tell clients of mine that I'm working with that are pregnant is to rely more on the talk test. Because if you think like, if you can run and lift and do whatever that you like to do for exercise, if you can talk comfortably, while you're exercising, you're getting enough oxygen. And if you're getting oxygen, the baby's getting oxygen. Um, 
I think the official rule is, you know, uh, you don't want to go over 75% of your heart rate max. Um, so short, even quick bouts of getting your heart rate up are okay. You just don't want to be exhausting yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Any other myths that you've heard? Lying on no, I love, I love both of those. I've definitely heard both of those, like the, you know, exercise and miscarriage, like the, you know, the classic, like, even if you're not pregnant, you know, women can't run marathons because their uteruses will fall out, right. um, which is not happening. Um, so, you know, there's that. And then there's also, I've definitely heard the 140 heart rate rule. I've had people reach out to me too and say their doctors are still telling them that even though everything's pretty healthy. So that definitely seems to be still a misconception, um, at least widely, you know, whether it's individual or not, but the, the other one I think too, is like the lifting restrictions, um, which I know is like a whole topic, but even just the, you know, don't lift anything heavier than like 20 pounds ever. Um, like that's, that's another one I hear often. Do you still get that one? I do. Yeah. And, and that is one that I think out of most of the myths is, more individualized because you have some people like power lifters that get pregnant and obviously they can probably continue to lift a lot heavier weight than other people who don't or aren't accustomed to like really comfortable heavy lifting. Um, and even for them, it's going to be pretty relative going through pregnancy. Things will need to change as far as, you know, the way that they're lifting as posture changes and different strategies. But that's definitely an outdated. I mean, 20 pounds is, is pretty ludicrous. I mean, if you're pregnant with your, your second baby and you have a two-year-old that's 30 pounds, I mean, what are you going to do? Like, how do you get your kid in and out of the car? Like it's so, um, yeah. And that another myth that I hear, that's just kind of a flip from most of these is do what you've always done because that while you might be able to continue for a little while, eventually into your second and third trimester, as your body is changing, there are things that will need to change. Not saying that you need to stop running, but natural progression, you're going to get slower. You know, um, you're going to potentially need to take more rest breaks. Like, so I think some people hear that like, yes, like I can do what I've always done. I don't need to change anything, but that's not really quite the case, you know? Uh, Totally. Yeah. I want to draw some light on like each of those to dive into them because I, I think those are all, those are all like kind of what I hear the most often. And I'm sure you do too, just as a PT who, who works with this population, but um, even to kind of go back to the beginning of like, okay, you found out you're pregnant. What am I allowed to do for exercise? And you might be told you can do what you've always done. Um, you know, so kind of what are the guidelines from ACOG, the association you talked about that came out in 2020 around like what women should be aiming for during exercise or during pregnancy for exercise? Um, whether like, let's kind of first dive into the population who maybe has never exercised before and just found out that they're pregnant, like where would be a good place to start for them? Um, so the ACOG, it, that is a really good website. They do have a lot of really good pamphlets and handouts with just general information, but their guideline is 150 minutes a week of moderate intensity exercise. So what that will break down to is like 30 minutes, five days a week, or even breaking up into smaller. Like if you have never exercised before, maybe doing like a 10 minute walk in the morning, 10 minutes of, you know, walking in the afternoon, like it doesn't have to be 
30 minutes every five days, or, you know, it can do even more than that, break it up if, if that is intimidating for some people. Um, so that's their general guideline. They don't have really any guidelines on lifting, I think, because it is so individualized now. Um, yeah. And then like, first and foremost, getting the clearance from an MD is obviously important, um, particularly yeah. for someone that's never exercised before, just to be Totally. Sure. Yeah. And in terms of like, um, the person who's like, you know, even me, when I found out I was pregnant, I was like, well, I just ran my marathon PR. So when you're telling me to do what I've always done, <laughs> you know, I'm kind of like, well, that was kind of the pinnacle of me peeking at what I've always done. So, you know, I need, I need a little bit more than that. Um, so in terms of the person who, you know, is very physically active, most of the people listening to this are, you know, runners, they're probably half and full marathoners recreationally. Um, like what are, what are some good guidelines for them? They find out they're pregnant starting out, especially those, like we can kind of put it into two categories, like those who feel really fine in their first trimester and those who do not <laughs> feel fine in their first trimester. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's where like the ACOG is like such a great reference point, but when it comes to this population, it's not as clear, right? Cause you're like, like you just said, like you were at your peak and you yeah. Amazing, and then it's like, oh, like, what can I do now? And so, in general, the first trimester is so unpredictable um, that I would, you know, just really pay attention. Like, if you're feeling extra tired, if you're feeling like you need more sleep or extra rest days, honor that. Um, but the first trimester, there's really no like physical things that you need to change as far as exercise, as long as you're feeling good, like as. Like, you know, better than anyone staying hydrated, staying, making sure that you're eating a well-rounded diet and supporting those needs, um, are important, but also educating yourself on what's to come, I think is a really important thing for most people in the first trimester, which is what I do when I work with, um, my clients is like, okay, let's nail down what your, your body is going to go through. Let's nail down that mind, body, mind, pelvic floor connection, nail down your breathing. So you kind of like are comfortable with all those things, um, how to hunt, like contract your core and move properly before your body starts to change. Cause then it, as it changes, you're like, okay, like I know how, how to, how to do this. Um, yeah. but yeah, I just know that it is so unpredictable. Um, in that, like, you can feel really good for the first couple of weeks and then just get hit like a Mack truck. <laughs> and, yeah. Right. And know that that's like, okay, most of the time when the second trimester hits, you're going to start feeling better for most people. I mean, that there are some exceptions, obviously, but not feeling like, oh, okay, everything has gone to waste. Like, I didn't do anything. All I ate was carbs, which is what I did with all three of I mean, I didn't touch a colored food. For three from beige the, diet. Oh yeah, it's like my two-year-old <laughs> preferred diet. Um, because I know a lot of women, like especially those of us that are super used to being active, you get like, oh god, like I I didn't do anything, and I can't run, I can't eat anything healthy, and then you get discouraged. Like every the rest of your pregnancy is going to be a wash, but like have faith in knowing that things change, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's helpful to point out. Like I just did a nutrition pregnancy episode with a um, prenatal dietitian on this. Like if you 
can't feel your body properly, which is really a challenge in the first trimester. And by feel your body properly, I mean, like meet your basic energy needs. If it's all bagels, that's fine. Um, yeah, right. Like it doesn't have to look like how it normally looks. Uh, but if you can't do that, you know, focus on rest, like don't go push yourself really hard by trying to like make your workout schedule happen, even if it feels absolutely terrible. Um, yeah, Yeah. that's kind of what I hear you saying. And I think like from a person who's listening to this, who's very type a and like, likes to have the schedule and they like to follow the plan. Mm -hmm. Like what, what's some advice you could offer them when the, the wheels start to come off a little bit, if that happens. Right. And I am absolutely that person. So I can, <laughs> I would think most of us are. Um, and so my first pregnancy, I had like a day, maybe like 30 minutes of nausea, no problem. And it got worse each like subsequent pregnancy. So my third, the best that I felt was when I was outside in the fresh air running. And so every day, like I would wake up feeling super nauseous and I would give myself the leeway to say, okay, let me try for 10 minutes because like, I like to get up early. I like to like be on a schedule. So I would still get up and say, okay, 10 minutes. If I'm still feeling like complete garbage at 10 minutes, I'm done. If, but 99% of the time I felt better. So I think that if you are somebody that is type A and you like to stick to a schedule, like still get up or still like utilize that time to do something you might just need to dial it back if you're used to running maybe going for a walk or you know hopping on the peloton or whatever just at an easier pace like to do move your body so you kind of calm the the type anus but are still doing yeah. something yeah i know even like for me at one point I, which we can talk about this a little bit, like at one point I was put on pelvic rest. So I really wasn't supposed to do much exercise because I had placenta previa. I had a complete previa very early, um, and some symptoms. So that's why they were pretty strict with me. And they were like, no one wants to define what like mild to moderate quote unquote exercise for pelvic rest looks like for people because it's all relative. And I was like, yeah, you're going to need to give me some parameters because like I, I do all the exercise. So does that mean like walking's okay? Does that mean this is okay? And we kind of came up with a plan, but I know for me, like even being allowed to go out for a walk, like it just, it made me feel so much better because it put me on a schedule. Um, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a run, but it was still, the same routine, which was super helpful. I feel like that kind of helped the progression of my day go better. Oh, absolutely. And I feel like I, I will tell women that in the postpartum period too, early postpartum, um, because for me, and it sounds like for you too, like having that routine and schedule, it just does so much for your mood. Um, that even when you're a couple days postpartum, I remember, especially with my second and third, I still, granted the time was maybe 10 minutes, would give myself that time to stretch, to just do some gentle pelvic floor exercises. But I feel like, yeah, having that like scheduled built-in period to do something, even if it's not what you're used to, it uh, goes a long way. Yeah. Thank you so much to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of the Hollyfield Nutrition Podcast. Regardless if you have a clinical mental health issue like depression or anxiety, or if you're just a human who lives in this world who is going through a hard time, 
Therapy can give you tools to approach your life in a different way. And that's why I am so excited to tell you about today's sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp's mission is to make therapy more affordable, more accessible. And this is an important mission because finding a therapist can be really, really hard, especially when you're limited to the options in your area. BetterHelp is a platform that makes finding a therapist easier because it's online, it's remote, and by filling out just a few questions, BetterHelp can match you to a professional therapist in a little as a few days. Um, when I used BetterHelp, it was a few hours. Um, so it is truly a very quick and easy process compared to um, what I've had clients experience and what I've experienced myself in traditionally trying to find a therapist through the healthcare system. It is really easy to sign up and get matched with a therapist. There is a link in my description, which is betterhelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash hollyfueled, which is H-O-L-L-E-Y-F-U-E-L-E-D. And that link is in the description. Clicking that link helps supports this podcast, and it also gets you 10% off your first month of BetterHelp so you can connect with a therapist and see if it helps you out. Because finding a therapist can be a little bit like dating, if you don't really fit with the first therapist they match you to, which is super common in healthcare and therapy, you can easily switch to a new therapist at no additional cost without stressing about insurance, who's in your network, or anything like that. So if you are struggling, book the appointment, get started, consider online therapy with BetterHelp. Visit the link in the description. And again, if this is something that you think is going to help you or you're nervous about it, taking the plunge is the most important first step. And then BetterHelp is going to let you sort out the rest. Now let's get back to the episode. I like when everything is changing and feels out of your control. At least you can like do those 10 minutes of breathing or something. And you're like, okay, I am me. We can keep going now. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, super helpful. Um, Yeah, that's helpful. And I think for... um, for like people kind of going from first trimester to second trimester, like when do you start to notice that um, like there should be modifications made for someone who especially is like strength training, like we can kind of talk about that. Like, is there, cause I know, I know some of what I've heard is like, you know, don't lie on your back, like don't have coning in your abdomen. Um, you know, right. again, don't lift over 20 pounds, but we've kind of covered that already. So I think there's a lot of like, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. So when do people actually tend to need to start modifying those types of things? And what are some like red flags or green flags even to look for? Yeah. So definitely I would say into the second trimester. Um, and again, this will be a little bit different for each person and things tend to change with subsequent pregnancies. Everything happens a little bit earlier in terms of your body changing. Um, but there's a lot of structural changes that are occurring in your body. Obviously your center of gravity is changing. Um, so when you're running, I mean, it's, you're just dealing with a different body really. So some red flags are things that I like people, not even I'll call them red, let's call them yellow flags, just to be aware of abdominal coning is one. And I think there's a lot of fear. We could probably do a whole episode <laughs> on diastasis recti and prolapse and all these things that are just totally, people are scared um, of them. When, when it comes to coning, it can be scary because you can see all these people that have really severe diastasis recti. Um, but it's really just a sign 
like, like, Hey, you're not managing your intra-abdominal pressure very well. Like that's what is happening. Um, so maybe you need to modify this exercise. And if you still can't control it, if you're still seeing coning and that's for those who don't know, just the, um, your six pack muscles, your rectus abdominis are, are separated by a connective tissue called your linea alba. And so a diastasis is completely normal during pregnancy. There is a separation in a non-pregnant person. I feel like a lot of people don't know that is like, it's just- going to happen. <laughs> Otherwise you would self combust. Right. You would <laughs> explode. Right. Right. Like there's no, there's no other way for this to happen. Um, so it's normal. I mean, hundred percent of pregnant women have a diastasis by the end of pregnancy. But so the coning happens when you are not controlling that pressure within your, your stomach very well. So if you think like if you had a balloon and you squeezed a balloon in the middle, the pressure is either going to go up or it's going to go down. Um, and in this case with your stomach, it can go out. So that's pretty much what you see is like a, a bulge down the midline. Um, and it's not anything to be terrified of, but if you can't control it, then you need to modify. Um, crunches become kind of pointless or, or you know, even impossible <laughs> as your stomach grows. Um, and actually lifting overhead, that's one that it can cause some of the coning too. Um, just because, you know, when your arms are away from your body and you have heavy objects in them, you use a lot of core control. So as your stomach gets bigger, that core control becomes a little bit more difficult, but lying on your back. That was one thing that you just mentioned. Um, they used to say, don't lie on your back at all. And that's, they've taken that away. Um, there isn't a set amount of time that they say is okay, but in general, you're okay to lay on your back as long as you're comfortable. The reason why they say you can't is because when your uterus grows, it puts a lot of pressure on your inferior vena cava. So this is a, a vein that supplies blood from your lower body back to your heart. So if you're laying on your back, your uterus is, is putting more pressure on that vein. But studies where it shows it's a real issue is when women are laying on their back in, you know, towards later in their second trimester into their third trimester all night. If you can tell me one pregnant person that is able to sleep through the night <laughs> that for a long in pregnancy, then more power to them. Cause that was not the case, you know, and, and even in general, just one pregnant person who can sleep through the night, full stop, just, yeah. just that. No. And then adding that on comfortably. <laughs> exactly. Right. So yeah. chances are slim, but if you are like, I'm a back sleeper and I had a really hard time sleeping on my sides. Um, and I, I wasn't comfortable really like in laying on the ground and doing a lot of floor work. So I would just prop a pillow behind my back, which is what I tell a lot of people too. And same at night, like just kind of wedge a pillow between me and the mattress to keep myself like at sort of a slant. Um, it's better to be safe, obviously, but um, it's not something that you need to be petrified of if you're doing like a minute or two of exercises on your back. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that's great to bring up like the, the, I'm a back sleeper too. And I've, I struggle with this. I, I feel like 
some of what I kind of read into, because like you said, you, you want to kind of prepare yourself for what's coming and what modifications you might have to make. So you just kind of know what you're looking for and don't get freaked out if you see something that is different or feel something that's different. I remember a lot of the times I would, you know, be like, okay, coning, okay, back stuff. And I'd be like, I feel fine though. So I just would keep, you know, going about it. And then one day you're like, oh, this no longer feels fine or, oh, look at that coning. Like it's there, it's happening. So um, yeah. I think sometimes, you know, I think there's been a couple of studies done on this more from like a heart rate perspective and a back sleeping perspective, but like the consensus of them is that your body will probably like wake you up or give you some signals that something doesn't feel right long before there's really damage being done. Yeah. Um, your body's smart. Yeah. It's really smart. And like, for me, I, I would feel uncomfortable on my back. I'm like, I feel like there's, you know, a small human lying on my inferior vena cava. That's exactly what it feels like. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, well, we're, we're going to move. Um, but yeah, I like that you brought that up because you can, you can exist there if it's comfortable for like short periods of time, but if it starts to feel uncomfortable, just like giving yourself a little bit of an incline can be helpful. Exactly. Some of the other, oh, uh, like pelvic pain. Obviously you don't want to push through, um, leaking, um, especially if you're having any big gushes of fluid, that's not a good sign and, and a sign you need to call your doctor, um, pelvic pressure or heaviness. And this is one that a lot of people are like, well, what are you like? What are you talking about? Like if you've never been pregnant or had a baby and what I usually describe that as, is like, imagine you have a tampon in and it's falling out. Uh, like that's not a good feeling. Um, anything that feels uncomfortable, or even if you're just hesitant in an exercise, like you're like, Ooh, I don't know if I should do this. I don't know if this feels really good, then don't do it. Um, this is where with athletes, it's hard because we're so used to pushing through uncomfortable things. So when someone says, keep doing what you've always done, or listen to your body, those can be really hard cues to know, like, well, what do you mean? Like, okay, like you're a marathon runner. You're used to run. I mean, we've run marathons and you get to mile 20. And even if you feel good, it, there's still some, <laughs> but you're still going to push through it to get to the finish line with pregnancy. Those things are like, where you really have to listen to your body, but honor discomfort and not push through it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. I like that you brought that up because it's true. I think athletes are one, they're very in tune with their bodies, which is helpful, but also they're in tune with pushing through pain and discomfort, sometimes to their detriment, but usually to their glory. Um, so when it comes to pregnancy, it can be a bit more uh, subjective. So yeah, I mean, that's what you just described. Like, if something starts to feel just like not quite right, even if none of like the yellow flags you talked about are really present. Like, just don't do it for me. That was like the day I stopped doing pull-ups. I went to do one and I was like, that did not feel how I think it should feel. Um, so therefore I don't think I need to do that anymore. It will be there in a year when I get back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you start to feel like your stomach's being ripped in half, when you try to do, <laughs> which is probably what you felt. <laughs> yeah. For me, it was at like, it was at like eight or nine weeks too. It was very early. I was like, yeah, this doesn't feel, this doesn't feel right. So we're just not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah um, exercise like especially like for crossfitters and stuff like kipping pull-ups yeah. or like toes to bar like those are things that involve so much for control um and if you want to see some good coning like those are some good 
exercises to watch a pregnant woman do. Like, cause it's, yeah. it's so hard. I'm sure there's some people out there that can do it, but. Yeah, it's just not, it, it'll be there when, when you get back. But I think um, too, for kind of the pelvic pain part, I like that you talked about, you know, that what the pressure can start to feel like. I've definitely experienced that in the past. It's kind of touch and go, but there's other things too. So um, like, what are signs of things like round ligament pain? I know that's something that comes up in all the apps, like when you're tracking your pregnancy or like pubic symphysis dysfunction is kind of the other one that I know a lot of people are scared of. Um, what do those like kind of feel like and what might be some ways to go about dealing with them? Yeah. Um, I have someone right now that's been dealing with some bad round ligament pain. Um, it is not comfortable. Usually you're feeling this like towards the front, um, of, of your stomach. Um, and it's on one side. So, and it's a very like sharp, tight feeling that's not comfortable. Um, so things you want to avoid any exercises that bring that feeling on, obviously, um, which can be different for a lot of people. Uh, and also working on mobility, like through your hips is, is pretty helpful, um, for round ligament pain for, for what was the other one you said, pubic symphysis pain or dysfunction. Yeah. Um, or like pelvic girdle pain. So that can kind of classify as different things, but your pubic synthesis is literally like right where your pubic bones meet. Uh, and that is a very sharp pain. And usually things that require you to be on one leg increase the pain. So things like lunges, going up and down stairs, getting in and out of a car, getting in and out of your bed. So modifying those things of, of avoiding or changing the range of motion with lunges to a, a, a more narrow stance or even squats can be helpful. Um, doing things like squeezing a ball when you're doing squats, like so you're using your adductors to squeeze together, which can be helpful for some people, some not, because then that can create more strain um, because your adductors inner thigh muscles attach on your pubic bone. Um, so sometimes that can cause you know, some more discomfort, but generally avoiding the single leg activities are going to be pretty helpful. Um, and that's something that if it, if you start to experience it, it doesn't mean it's going to last the length of your pregnancy, but that's something you don't want to keep pushing through. Um, SI joint pain, that's pretty common as well. Um, and, and same kind of exercise modifications usually apply any of the single leg exercises usually make that worse. Uh, and single leg exercises, just like, does running fall into that category? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and with running specifically with some of those types of pain, there are things that can help like avoiding running on a camber or like a slant on the road um, or like using a support belt can be really helpful, whether you're a runner or not. Um, Running uphill is generally easier on your body because, you know, there's less force. Downhill is going to be a little bit different, but you can always do like hill repeats if that doesn't aggravate you. Um, but I would, I recommend like if you are having any of those symptoms, around ligament pain, pelvic girdle pain to, you know, back off, work on some mobility work and exercises that don't hurt, which can be a little bit of trial and error. And then you know, trying again as your symptoms decrease. 
Yeah, that's helpful. I think I think something you said in there that I find really helpful. It's it's true for so many things in life. It's true for pregnancy. It's also true just for like running a marathon is like if it feels bad now, it might not feel bad for the rest <laughs> of the time. Um, like it might change. Uh, it changes like every day you're growing a human and something's a little different every day. So I think one of the key takeaways too that we've kind of talked about um, is just like being creative and like, you know, not having many expectations like you know if you if you can't do something anymore because there's pain or it's just it's uncomfortable you might be able to modify it and do it in a slightly different way like running uphill or taking walk breaks or wearing a belly band or doing like using some tools there's like a lot of tools you can use to make yourself feel better as you get through like however long that's going to last right yeah and so true and I, I remember with my second I was able to run through Three of, the, three of my pregnancies up until the day I delivered, which I'm really fortunate for that. But with my second, there was probably a two month period during my second trimester into my third where I, I, I couldn't run. Like I remember starting to run and I was like pelvic girdle pain, SI joint pain. And I was like, this is not worth it. And it is hard to, you know, check your ego and like honor your body. Um, but then I remember one day I was like, oh, I feel okay. Like, let me, I'm just going to go out and give it a shot. And I was fine. And I was able to pick it back up. Um, yeah. but, but it is, it's like having, reminding yourself that this is not forever because when you're in pregnancy, it can feel like you're going to be pregnant forever. And so when you can't do something, it's like, oh, it's over. Like, I'm never going to get back to it. And so reminding yourself, okay, this is just a season. I will get through this. And like you said, like a year from now. I'll be back at it. Like, you know, just in different ways. Yeah. 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 Seriously. That's been my experience too. Some days I go out and I'm like, I feel normal. I feel totally normal. And then other days I go out for a run and I'm like, this feels awful. I'm not going to, we're going to pivot today. (laughs) Um, So sometimes it's just like showing up, seeing what happens and then making a informed decision from there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Giving yourself a lot of grace. I think that's pregnancy in a nutshell as an athlete. Yeah, seriously. So for the people too, like who are thinking like, I like running feels pretty decent. You know, I'm, I'm someone who wants to keep trying to do it. I've been cleared by my doctor to do that. Um, like when again, body changes start to happen and your kind of center of gravity starts to shift a little bit, like what, what are some, again, kind of like those yellow flags that, you know, maybe we need to think about doing something different that day or taking walk breaks or modifying, especially when it comes to, again, like you're just, your, your body's changing, your gait's changing. Like what things do you tell people to look for? Um, so pretty much all, all the other things like within the second trimester, the pelvic pain, um, back pain, pelvic pressure, heaviness, leaking. Like if you're going out there every day and you are peeing on yourself, like your pelvic floor is just stressed. Because if you think like running it, it's, it's a lot of force involved on your entire body. And when you're pregnant, you have a pretty vulnerable system to begin with. So you are applying more stress to an already stressed system. So if, you know, and some people can handle, I, I had no problems, but I did have to later on in pregnancy, bring it down to walk runs or shorten it. Um, like you said, like every day kind of being like, Oh, what's going to happen? Like, I just have to, you can't really plan. Like when you get later, 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 
Um, so really honoring those, like not pushing through, checking that ego. Um, but yeah, like you said, like there's a lot, your, your belly's changing. So maybe you need to use a belt, like a support band. Um, your boobs are growing. You probably need a more support bra, uh, more cushioned shoes sometimes can help too. Um, and also remembering, I think a lot of times during pregnancy and postpartum women that are educated about that the pelvic floor even exists are so concerned with diastasis recti, prolapse, like pelvic floor things that we relate to pregnancy and postpartum, but also remembering that you can have orthopedic issues too. And that's pretty common um, as your gait is changing and your body center mass is changing, your, your form changes, your cadence generally slows down. So you're more apt to have orthopedic injuries if you're pushing through plantar fasciitis, pretty common hip, you know, knee issues, hip issues, back issues. So paying attention to those things too, that like you would just as a non-pregnant runner. Yeah. You're not becoming your most efficient running self as you get more and more pregnant. So yeah, that makes sense. And that's, that's good to bring up too, because I think a lot of people kind of forget, they get fixated on like the diastasis recti, the ab separation, or like the pelvic pain, like they're focused on like the bump, like, and where it is and like what could hurt there. And things can absolutely bother you there. But if your knee's starting to bother you, or if your foot's starting to bother you, like that, it's almost like a compensation injury, but again, it's short, it's short term. So just making sure you're not pushing through those things. Exactly. Um, yeah. Really start getting connected to like your core and I know what that feels like. I kind of know what that means because I've worked on that. But if someone is like, what? <laughs> um, like, where are some places that they might be able to start to learn about core control and breathing and what it's supposed to feel like? Sure. Um, this is something that I go over pretty heavily with my own clients. So I am more than happy to educate anyone that needs to know. Um, I also do have some things posted on my Instagram account, Burpees of Birth Cloths. There's a lot of really good accounts out there um, that I can't think of off the top of my head. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, but I think, well, first and foremost, I would recommend if it is possible for anyone to see a pelvic floor PT um, as early as possible in their pregnancy. I almost wish that this was like just a given. You know, you go to your OBGYN or midwife, and they say, okay, you're pregnant. Let's get you over to a pelvic floor specialist because that is going to be somebody that is with you hands-on um, is going to be super beneficial and just telling you how to do all those things. I think you see a pelvic floor PT, right? I Yeah, I did that on my own accord. Well, actually, I, I asked them if I could do that despite being put on pelvic rest. They said no. So I was like, dang it. <laughs> I really wanted to do that. But then when I was cleared, um, halfway through my second trimester, I did go see one and it was super helpful. Um, and yeah, I, I recommend it for sure. I think I have more exposure to people every day, like working with female, like runners, especially women who have had kids and are running. And I hear about the leakage and the, the issues like postpartum, cause this wasn't something that was a resource that people had. Um, so I was like, well, I'm going to just try and do my due diligence and go see a pelvic floor PT early on because what sports have I done my whole life? 
horseback riding and running like the two most like pelvic floor intensive sports you could possibly do um and it was helpful just to get like kind of what your baseline is like especially you know just starting out before your body starts to change a lot right yeah and and like you said I feel like most women go into pregnancy and they hear about the pelvic floor and they're like okay I need to strengthen 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 my pelvic floor and like my guess with you totally guessing You'll, you'll be right. It's correct. Keep yeah. going. <laughs> As you mentioned, type A horseback riding, squeezing those adductors all day. Um, I would say you're probably like a tight hypertonic pelvic floor type of girl. Yeah. And so- that's what I that's what I thought when I went to go see them. I was like, they, if they tell me to strengthen this thing, like I don't know what else to do. Um, <laughs> I was like, I bet they tell me it needs to relax. And they were like, it, it needs to relax. And when you go to a pelvic floor evaluation, um, which Trisha, you just went to a course to learn how to do them on people and, and be able to evaluate people this way. Like, you know, like the, there's, there's a pelvic exam, like they tell you to squeeze fingers or to like relax around fingers and to do certain things. So there's certain cues where you're just like, I'm doing it, aren't I? And they're like, nothing's happening. So um, yeah, it's super helpful. Right. Yeah. Cause like any other muscle in your body. And I think when people say pelvic floor, they're like, oh, like the vagina, it's totally different than everything else. Like we can't talk about this, um, but it's their muscles like anything else. So if you think about like your bicep, if you're like squeezing it super tight all day, it's going to get fatigued really fast, first of all, but you need to let it learn how to relax so that you can strengthen it completely. So you can still have a really tight pelvic floor that's weak, um, but the top priority is relaxing it. So those are things that you won't know unless, like you said, you go to a pelvic floor PT and they can, they can tell you um, where I can just guess based on personality type. (laughs) Yeah. Symptoms, you know, Um, but you're right too. Like, I think a lot of people think Kegels all day long have to strengthen the pelvic floor, but it's really, it's not, a lot of people don't have to strengthen the pelvic floor. They have to learn how to control it properly. Um, Yeah. So it's not, you're not going to go to a pelvic floor PT and just be told to do Kegels all day long. Probably not. Um, it's, it's more complicated than that. <laughs> and I think too, um, a lot of women get scared when they hear about a pelvic PT because they're scared to have an internal exam. And so I, I just want a lot of women to know, like, that does not mean that you have to have an internal exam. You can still get a lot of education, um, and get a lot of benefit from seeing one. You don't, no one is going to force you into anything that you're uncomfortable with. Um, yeah, that's like a reason why someone wouldn't go to see one. I would, you know, encourage you to explore. Yeah, absolutely. Go, go do it. And like, there's going to be a lot of things happening in that area. So also know that that's the case with pregnancy too. So sometimes, you know, having someone gently help you with that can be helpful way to start when you're, when you're first pregnant. Exactly. Um, and then after you've had, you know, one or couple, it doesn't <laughs> matter at all. <laughs> yeah. You're like, sure, go for it. Yeah. I think, um, I think it's super helpful. And, and I know like the practice I went to in particular, the way they have it set up for, for myself, like where, you know, they kind of gave me some things to, to work on and, but nothing was like currently wrong, really like to, for them to keep treating, um, they kind of said, Hey, come back, like in your second trimester, come back in your third trimester. Cause you know, your body's going to change. So you, you can kind of have those, those different baselines as you go. Okay. Um, 
which is pretty cool. But and then postpartum, I imagine too, it would be super a super helpful resource. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, kind of to the the runners who you know, like myself, who maybe were not given medical clearance by their doctor at some point during their pregnancy to exercise. Um, for me, it was because of placenta previa, there was spotting, like what are other conditions that kind of are like a do not pass go ask your doctor before continuing to exercise, um, that people can, can kind of look for from a symptom perspective that yeah. you know of. Um, so definitely if you have any kind of lung or heart disease, um, severe anemia, no go. Um, or, you know, you need to be supervised by a doctor. Placenta previa, as you know. Um, uh, oh, when you're pregnant with multiples, that isn't necessarily like you can't exercise, but that is something that needs like definite clearance, especially if you have other risk factors. Uh, Preterm labor, so that's anything. Um, uh, yeah, uh, preterm labor is below 37 weeks. So if your water breaks, obviously you're not going to be. Yeah. Um, but those are like the definite, if you're having persistent bleeding, yeah. things no go for exercise. You need yeah. I know some women too who have had like bleeding or spotting, and it's like, they're fine. Like no one really knows why that happens. So I know for those particular people too, it, their doctors have kind of just said, you're not on pelvic rest, but like, be smart. Like if it, if you do something and then you have more bleeding after like vacuuming or intercourse or running or whatever it is, like maybe, you know, don't do that. Um, if it, you know, if it makes it worse. So I know sometimes too, there's a bit of a gray area with that, but if those other, but if it's happening, you want to go get evaluated so you can figure out if there's like a reason. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to just be bleeding and not tell your doctor. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, well, this has been a super helpful kind of crash course around, you know, pregnancy exercise, some misconceptions. Is there anything that you can think of too, that we didn't cover? I feel like we covered so much. Yeah, we did. I think the only thing that I would like to add is within the third trimester, like not trying to be a hero, really exercise for your enjoyment. Um, don't feel like you need to like kill it, you know, um, listen to your body, prepare for what's to come. Check the ego. <laughs> be creative, be, be patient. Um, yeah, I think that's great advice. Um, it's like that finish line. You don't know when it is too. So that's always, that's always tough. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I could talk to you for such a long time. I like want to have you back on to do a postpartum episode because we didn't even really get to talk about that. But um, where can people find you and all of the resources and services that you provide? Sure. You can find me on Instagram at burpees and burp cloths. Um, and I have a link right in my bio that has a health questionnaire if you're interested in learning more about working with me. Um, or if, just shoot me a message. I'm happy to help. Even if I don't work with you, I'm happy to help anybody who has questions. 
Yeah. And if you want some really amazing, like creative exercises during pregnancy too, I love your page. It's so you're, you're, you're really good at portraying what being creative looks like. Um, and, and, and it's awesome. Um, well, I want to ask you the end of the podcast question, um, which I ask all of my guests and I haven't had you on the show yet. So I'm excited to ask you this question, but you're crossing the finish line of, you know, awesome race. It went swimmingly what song would be playing to embody how you're feeling at the finish? And I know you always put music on your, on yes. your video, um, so. I tell you what, that's my favorite part of Instagram stories is music. So this is like very easy. It's let it rock. Kevin Rudolph, Lil Wayne. Yes. Great answer. I, I love, I, I love those types, like that genre for working out and finishing a race is like perfect. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anything Lil yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. Trisha, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was such a helpful episode. I hope that you guys enjoyed this one. If you are pregnant currently, or maybe you're planning to become pregnant or wanting to become pregnant in the next, um, I don't know, a couple months, years, near future, whatever it is, far future, uh, hopefully this was informative because I feel like the exercise guidelines for pregnancy are clear as mud out there, especially for people who just don't have much um, like exercise knowledge. Um, it can be really confusing, especially if some of what your doctor is telling you may conflict what your physical therapist might tell you. Um, but of course you want to get medical clearance to exercise. And then I would recommend looking at the movement professionals um, like Trisha, which are physical therapists. They're doctors of physical therapy. They um, are doctors of movement, essentially, and they are going to be the ones who are most up to date and informed on what's a good idea for your pregnant body after you get medical clearance from your OBGYN. Um, so I hope this was helpful. Um, if you are looking for more nutrition support and you're looking for more resources, whether you are pregnant or not on all things nutrition, I hope you check out my online fueling academy, which I will link in the show notes. This includes everything from my Fueled Up Masterclass membership, which incorporates all of my monthly masterclasses for $39 a month, or you can sign up for individual masterclasses as well, or you can sign up for my Runner Roadmap course, which is my flagship course that all of my clients have access to in self-paced format through the Online Learning Academy. So again, I will link that below so you can go check out all of those resources. Use the discount code in the show notes as well if you want to save a little bit of money on any resources you invest in for yourself. And until next time, happy running.